from all the before. I hate flipping out radio. Uh, uh, go now. Perfectly legal. The presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. See you wearing your Mets hat. I am, yeah. Have you been Since, watching? Uh, have you been watching their games? Yeah, I usually um, uh, most weeknights I'll uh, I'll watch a few innings and then um, you know weekends it's a toss up. It's a day game and I'm on the beach or whatever, you know. Yeah, no, it's definitely uh, it, it's like a disease that I can't escape. You know what I mean? Even when I don't watch the games, I check on my phone and stuff like that. Uh, it, it remains infinitely better than being a Yankees fan. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I mean, obviously, I feel that way, but I'm not so sure that that's said in a sound mind nine times out of ten. Um, you know what? You know, you can you can watch a team win the World Series all you want, but they are just such. I mean, they're just such fucking bad. Those people have no personality. They're not interesting. They're not fun. I tend to agree. I mean, I, I think that the epitome of being a Yankees fan is waiting for that next chance to buy the DVD package, waiting for that next chance to buy the sweatshirt. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it's, it's, eventually yeah, it's, it's going to happen. It's very, uh, it's very lazy fandom. It is. It's lazy fandom. Um, all right. So, look, it's flipping out radio. It's been a while since we did a show, but we're getting after it here in late August. It's the middle of the Democratic National Convention. And I wanted to start out asking you this, Mike. Did you by any chance see the interview that Joe Biden did with Cardi B? I'm aware of it. I didn't watch the video just because I don't. It's just. <laughs> you're <I> <laughs> you're like, lucky. You're lucky you didn't watch it personally. I mean, that's the way I look it, you, at it. You know what it is at this point that I see shit like that as is it's just like this stupid fucking like i yeah it's it's so transparent oh you're yeah cardi b is positioning biden as a candidate for uh young fucking uh urban uh you know brown kids people of color whatever the fuck you want to you want to call whatever the term du jour is and it's uh you know that's i it, it goes on it goes viral on the internet and they're doing it and I don't like do people realize that's that 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 kind of disingenuous garbage is just as fucking um, full of just fake bogus shit as when uh, Trump gets up there and starts running his fucking mouth about about God knows what like it's uh, it's just we play a very weird game when it comes to electing people to public office. We do. And I just for me, I don't even know. There's nothing really uh, super analytical I have to say about the video. It's just it struck me because of how creepy it was. 
And I just find certain interactions when it comes down to like a younger person trying to like make someone else, an older person specifically, hip. That is just so hard to watch and so filled with douche chills everywhere you turn. So like it is for- the um, it's the grandma in in the rap video. Yeah. So first like, she didn't like, like played trope. He didn't like that she was calling him Biden. So like he couldn't really get past that. She was obviously just kind of going for the more like, yo, what's up, Biden? You know, like Biden, yeah, da 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 da. And you know, he was like, well, you know, it's Joe, it's Joe now. You can use Joe, you know. And it was just like, oh, oh God, oh stop, please move on. And um, at some point, it got to the you know uh, natural conclusion of Joe Biden kind of like you know speaking back towards uh, Cardi B as opposed to her just kind of like talking about whatever she was talking about. And he goes, and uh, let let me congratulate you for being on the cover of the L magazine there now. And it was just like, oh, God, oh, this couldn't be any more stereotypical. And just, oh, God, I can't handle it. The, the it feels, L magazine. It feels disingenuous. It feels like, uh, you know, what this it feels like it wasn't a real conversation between them is the impression that that I'm getting. Well, I mean, look, at this point, I think part of the issue is whatever it is that's going on with Biden upstairs and he can't really even kind of like fake what it is to be like, I'm hip. I'm cool. You know what I mean? Like which years ago he could easily do because that was kind of like his power was his like schmooze ability. But, sure, that picture of him eating ice cream, who doesn't love that? <laughs> so the whole thing was just kind of tough to watch. And um, obviously Cardi B is all the rage these days because of this music video and song. Yeah, I mean, wow. well, in, in defense of Cardi, she was doing pretty well for a, a few years before uh, Wet Ass Pussy came out. But this is certainly, well, she's certainly having a WAP moment right now. That's a very good point. Point because what I really wanted to get into with this whole Cardi B and and WAP, which is wet ass pussy. I love. Her. I she's nuts. She gets into fights at strip clubs. I I appreciate that she hasn't gone uh, full out Hollywood. Yeah, whatever happened to that case? By the way, that was like pretty serious charges she was facing at some Queens strip club. I remember the DA hauled her in. She was charged officially. The whole thing. I mean, she was definitely. I think I think those are serious charges if you are an average Joe who needs to fill out a job application and et cetera, et cetera. But if you have, uh, if you have, you know, whatever the fuck, I don't know if she's gotten gold or platinum or, or whatever. If you have the, the kind of stacks of cash that, that Cardi B is sitting on um, and she has kind of a history of like doing shit for the community, like she'll just show up outside of a project uh, in, you know, the outer boroughs and hand out fucking winter coats to uh, to poor kids by, like, and I don't mean, like, just, like, a, a box. Like, she'll do, like, hundreds. Um, so I feel like, you know, you're you go into court, and what's the worst you're going to get? You can get fined. Like, you know, she's... No, I don't she, know. I mean, it was... I mean, of course, this was different. This was before um, everything changed with the bail reform, and, and now, obviously, with COVID-19, they're not really doing much of anything in the court system, but... She was definitely facing some serious uh, yeah, charges you, in terms of like assault and you know violent if, stuff. If you, have a, if you have a decent lawyer, and you got you got Cardi B money, so she probably has like the best fucking lawyer. They'll get you. They'll get you off of that shit, especially if you don't have like a long history of priors and and everything. 
um, and in a, a you know a New York City uh, a New York City courtroom. It's one of those things that I'm sure you know fucking ten ten wins and whoever the the fuck else out there doing local news plays up as as a big thing. But I mean, given you know given given some of the uh, criminal cases we've seen come out of the hip hop community, getting into a little champagne bottle throwing tussle at a uh, at a titty bar probably isn't. You know, it's not. I don't think it's the worst. Yeah, I, I don't even think it's probably at this point. It's so backlogged with everything else they got fucking waiting in uh, the COVID nineteen back uh, backlog situation. I, I doubt it'll even see the light of day anytime soon. But the thing I really wanted to mention is that Meg the Stallion, in terms of the, the Stallion, it, how do you say it? I have no fucking clue. But she put that extra e in there, so I'm assuming she wants us to pronounce it. Yes, I. It is Megan. So it's the Stallion as opposed to the. I mean, I, I, unless the second E is silent, if it's T-H-E-E... It you can't really ever be sure these days, can you? I mean, like, hip-hop can be anything. Well, I think what she's she's telling us is that she is Megan, and she is the Stallion. As so, opposed to Megan the Stallion, who would be perhaps one Megan amongst many Stallions. What she is saying is that she is Megan the Stallion. She is named Megan there are no other yeah, stallions, I, only I, she. I think the V makes it sound a little more official. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I could see it both like, ways. It's like when uh, guys who played for Ohio State say the Ohio State University, they're letting you know that there are, are no other Ohio State universities. Right, that's true. Um, so where did this check come from? Because what's, what's so interesting to me is you want to talk about transparent in terms of Biden's interview with Cardi B. I remember where there was a story, I don't know, a week or two before this song dropped, where she got shot. And it was like, uh, you should care about this entertainment sector story. And I was like, I don't even know who this is. And then, boom, um, two weeks later, she's got this huge head. Has she been around for a while? Yeah, she's been around for, for uh, a while. She was, I mean, I don't, you don't strike me as the type who uh, flows in a lot of hip-hop heavy, uh, you know, circles so you may have missed out on the mixtape not these but, uh, days i i think the last time i would have considered myself probably like into hip-hop was uh, i don't know like the tail end of jay-z's career and like before you know what i mean like I, he's I'm actually a... still around so yeah you got <laughs> when he supposedly retired with that you know like sean carter you know like fade the black and, uh, you know, obviously way before that with Notorious B.I.G. and, and Scarface. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jay, the, 50 first, Cent. Jay-Z, Jay you can, I can sit in this fucking basement studio, roll a blunt, and fucking pour, pour like a glass of Cavarcier and listen to some Jay-Z. And it is just a good time by yourself. Some of those fucking, some of those albums that, I mean, I, they all still hold up. Like, even his earlier shit when we were in middle school. Right is still great but his um some of the stuff that came out through like uh high school and even i remember there was uh the one he put out in um i guess it was oh nine right uh right around uh the time i got back from iraq went out to okinawa that had like new york state of uh my empire state of mind and, and uh all those fucking uh songs on uh, just great shit I, he is just a fucking awesome awesome artist i i love some uh some jay-z i remember when i was a kid like listening to rap music my uh, my dad and his friends would say shit like 
you know what, in 20 years, no one's going to be listening to this Jay-Z guy or, you know, whatever old fucking people say about uh, young music. And holy shit, were they wrong. But, uh, yeah, Megan the Stallion has, uh, she's been around for a while. I, I think it's just a, a generational thing. Like, you know, we have no, you know, you're not throwing a fucking house party on a Saturday night. So, you know, you can do without being up on the latest hip hop track because you're not trying to, you know, finger a chick on the dance floor anymore or a gentleman as the case may be back then it probably would have still been a check but um yeah no i mean that being said uh i just hadn't heard of her even in like the tertiary sense like i know who cardi b is you know what i mean i know who yeah um i don't even know who's the who's the biggest act in in male hip-hop right now would you say um Takashi, uh, Takashi six nine, pretty big. I think. Uh, really? Even so, now that he's out of prison, he's right back to. Oh yeah, yeah. He's been dropping. He was like dropping tracks on like Instagram and YouTube and and blowing. Uh, you know, so like, doing, like so supposedly. So his supposedly being like a snitch or whatever that doesn't hurt his status at all. I don't think that bothers uh, the kids these days. It's like a softer generation. I, I think they're okay with telling on your friends. I mean, for the record, I don't give a shit. I, I could give a shit less. I'm just asking because it seems to me like that was supposedly a uh, a pock on his record, if you will. No, I think I, I, I again, I'm not exactly uh, I, I'm not exactly the source over here, so I could be completely wrong about this shit. But like back when we were growing up, and that's a double entendre about, you know, with the no source. Snitching that, campaign. That's a double fucking, entendre. That's a double entendre with the source. By the way, you're not the source. I know. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the hip hop magazine. I'm glad you picked up on that. Uh, but uh, yeah, he. Uh, um, you know, I don't think they uh, rap just feels a, a lot less gangster these days. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah, for sure. Rap music. When we were listening to rap music when we were growing up it was a very the kind of the knock on you know white suburban teenagers listening to it was that this is music about uh you know urban suffering they're talking about the necessity of selling drugs to put food on the table and helping their their mother and and facing charges and, and all of this all, like really it was really a story about the some of the struggles of growing up in the shittier neighborhoods of New York or Chicago or Los Angeles or wherever and now it's become this sort of uh, just new thing where they're mumbling about uh, taking painkillers and it's white guys with face tattoos and they're all fucking pussies and uh, yeah, yeah what's up with a, that I mean look it, it it's weird to me because clearly we see from what's going on around the country right now and not all of it is uh gang related but for sure like a lot of the gun violence in the uh, american cities is um it's not like that gangsta element has left the american city but the hip-hop element is not quite as entwined with that particular culture is it you're absolutely right it's like that for whatever reason started to move away um with some of the last i don't know 10, 15 years, maybe 10 years at least. Yeah, I think it's a it's probably a, a couple things. I think younger kids are just kind of fucking softer in general. And they're the uh, they're really the audience for for that music. So I think the the stuff that that speaks to them is really the shit about uh, guys being sad and taking Xanax. And I also think that there's less of a market for um, 
those the the songs about fucking you know stacking cash guns fu- i mean these kids fucking they you know the teenagers of today despise firearms back when we were growing up uh you couldn't get through a hot 97 they would interrupt the song to play a gunshot sound that wasn't even in the song like back back like uh yeah so i just think um i think the the taste for it has um has gone away yeah but i mean i um, guess in terms of whoever it is that's subscribing to the hip-hop element because like i was saying it's not like gun violence has gone away in some yeah, ways I think it's, it's surging back I, to I levels that we haven't less, seen um, in a while it's not like you know when we were well i think when we were growing up because things were i think people were just tougher in general i think we could listen to a song you know a song about some gangster ass shit and I think there was an appeal to it because, you know, you're a, a young testosterone pumping guy. So you hear about some guy, you know, fucking dropping his enemies and then banging their girlfriends while he pours <laughs> champagne on their titties. And you're like, fuck, yeah, like that's getting you're in the locker room getting jacked up for your to, for your fucking game on uh, on Saturday listening to that. And now you have kids who. uh who go through the the concussion protocol and uh, they talk about their uh, their feelings and listening to uh, fucking um, <laughs> for the record know, the fuck for the record you're did. you're a sick fuck for the whole like murdering the guy and then having sex with his girlfriend pouring champagne on her titties you're real <laughs> that's like every Tupac song ever um, <laughs> but no it's uh, look that's uh, that's like two of America's most wanted California love. I mean, that's what those songs were. And, you know, those songs came out in like 1992. Hold on. do Just out of curiosity, do those songs actually, I mean, I've heard those songs. Do they actually include specific references to murdering a rival and then betting his current love interest? I don't know if it goes like in that order, but I mean, um, I mean, certainly uh, what uh, hit him up. Uh, first off, fuck your bitch and that click you came, uh, you know, west side when we ride coming quick right. with game. You claim to be a player, but I fucked your wife. We bust on bad boys uh, and I'll let you finish the rest of it since this is being recorded. Yeah, great stuff. I'll pass. I'll pass. Um, no, look, I mean, it's true. I, I don't really listen to uh, hip hop these days, but I mean, I consider myself a fan of it back in that era. And it's definitely interesting the extent to which it's changed from that. Um, but I mean, it, to a certain extent, crunk like that Southern hip hop was always kind of more about being, you know, partying and kind of like drinking perp and stuff like that. And it, it was kind of more on that on that vein, wasn't it? Um, yes. I mean, there were there was a lot of that in there, but they they were also like if you listen to. You know, you start getting into cash money and like the the old no limit stuff. They were still talking about doing very gangster shit. Um, you know, I think around so around the early 2000s when like Chris Brown and Kanye and uh, all those guys started to uh, to become popular. I think the um, the uh, the drinking champagne and, and stacking. Uh, stacking fucking racks of cash took over a lot of the gangster stuff like there were still gangster elements in the rap but it became more 
about partying and everything. And then all of a sudden, uh, Drake comes along and you got the wheelchair kid from fucking Degrassi. Right. He's, he's rapping about like eating spaghetti bolognese. And it was like, wow, this is really, it went white collar. And then, you know, what comes with uh, white collar success, but uh, crippling mental health issues. So they started, uh, you know, doing mumble raps about taking Xanax. And uh, that uh, spoke to the, the next generation of, of suburban kids who saw, you know, mom and dad chasing their downers with uh, whiskey and white wine. Nice. Yeah, no, I think it's a very good uh, and accurate breakdown of how that particular genre has changed. From two guys who are completely unqualified to do so. <laughs> well, that's the best kind. I mean, that's exactly what I'm looking to do here. That's that exactly... That's what cable news is making its money off. I mean, that's what flipping out radio is all about, damn it. That's what I'm here for. Um, so I recently went to, or not not so recently, I guess this was the last, you know, we haven't done a podcast in a while, but it was back on the 4th of July when I went out to Cincinnati for the first time. I'd never been there before. Did you fly, drive? How'd you get out there? Uh, I flew. Chris and I flew to get out there. So did you, uh, so did you get like a... Uh... I'm assuming flight to Cincinnati, that's just uh, it's two seats on either side and an aisle down the middle. How'd they seat everyone? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, look, the, the truth is there's still not a ton of people flying. Uh, we were going there specifically for one of Chris's friend's weddings. So we had a purpose for our reason for going. And, and you know, I'd say that just the simple fact that there aren't that many people on the plane, you know, people, uh, they, they seat people accordingly and they people go to their assigned seating when you see there's not as many people in the plane the temptation is to be like oh can i move my seat around or whatever you're kind of everybody's looking around that's when the you know stewardess comes back and says all right look for takeoff purposes i'm actually going to have to ask you 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 and you to come sit by the wing but when we take off everybody can basically sit where they want and the flights that I've been on since this started, going all the way back to really when this started on like March 15th, when I was going out to San Francisco, and then when I came back a few days later, um, there haven't been that many people on the planes I've been on. So, you know, it's distance. Uh, you're wearing the mask. But, I mean, I don't know what it does, really, considering the air conditioning system and all that. But, yeah, um, that's great. You're just you're flying around on a fucking unventilated tube, but make sure you have your uh, your mask on. Yeah. Right, right. But you know, honestly, the way I look at it is, I'm just not really that worried about it in particular right now. Um, yeah, my, I don't give a shit. I'm I'm just I'm convinced I'm not going to get it. I'm I probably have, I haven't been tested. I assume I have antibodies. I mean, honestly, <clears throat> I'm you very well may. There's a lot of people who dealt who have dealt with certain colds and i had a really fucking nasty one like two years ago um that probably have base immunity to it because of the whole sars 2 protein you know inhibitor whatever the fuck where you have exposure to something like this before so it's never going to do to you what it does to some other people um, i had a shitty one in um it was around uh I want to say we recorded a podcast that weekend. I don't know if you remember when I came over uh, when uh, your friend did the uh, the podcast with us, and uh, I was like just kind of coming out of one right there. Yeah, and it was a weird it was a weird thing because I had gotten a cold 
kind of over the holidays, like a little sniffle. And I was like, oh, well, that'll be it for me for the uh, the season because I usually don't get sick more than once. So when I uh, started feeling run down the second time, I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is. Like I had heard about coronavirus because it was, you know, it was January or February and the shit had been in the news from from China. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I got that. Uh, what if I got that fucking Wuhan shit that they're talking about? Um and then, you know, obviously they said it, it came to the U.S. and, you know, and they, they, they initially said March and now they're like it was probably in New York in November. And you got people saying they, they thought they had shit. So, yeah, who knows? And then, I mean, look, you can get you can come into contact with a virus. You can be covered in that virus, not feel a thing because your immune system is functioning properly and it just puts it out. And the virus is just fucking hanging out on you waiting to. uh to move on so who the fuck knows well yeah that's the thing that's where people are probably like especially baffled by the way this works but the real uh the way it seems to be to me in terms of stuff i've watched you know countless videos i've found online and all this kind of shit from like european scientists where they're being translated into english and all this stuff um the situation might not be as much of a novel virus as they made it out to be. And that's where you get this notion of asymptomatic spread, where it's probably actually true that there's a good percentage of the population that just for whatever reason, having come into contact with SARS or SARS derivatives or other colds, as we know them, which are also coronaviruses, uh, you know, they had some exposure to this kind of thing or at least a base level of which to fight back against it. You know, whoever didn't, that's a totally different story. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's what seems the most interesting to me, is that it's not necessarily as novel of a virus as everybody's made it out to be. And um, that potentially explains that whole asymptomatic spread thing, which really doesn't make a lot of scientific sense. You know what I mean? If you're not outwardly sick, you're also not shedding a lot of that virus. Um, I mean, I think, a, I, I think a good chunk of viruses do spread. Like, I think HPV, they say you can be a, a carrier and spread it without even knowing. So I guess there is some precedent for viruses uh, spreading like that. Uh, frankly, I think, I think if Americans were in better physical shape and took better care of their bodies, this thing would be way less of an issue. I think that's an excellent point. I really do. I think that's the thing that nobody really wants to talk about because, like, the news, machine, media, whatever you want to call it, makes their bread and butter off kind of, like, fat and dumb Americans. So they don't yeah. want to tell their audience that, by the way, the fact that you're diabetic and disgusting is, you know, contributing to this whole situation. Um, but dude, it's, it's amazing. True. And this is like a, just a complete, uh, I mean, it's not a complete non sequitur. It's kind of a, just a takeoff from that. It's nothing to do with really coronavirus or anything, but yeah, I think one of the, one of the things that upsets me the most about the general population, and I don't, I really don't think that it's my place to like tell people how to live or whatever. If you want to fucking eat McDonald's every day and, and live on uh you know, a steady diet of, of shitty TV or whatever, um, if that makes you happy, you should do so. But like the amount of people that I look around, like when I ride the bus to work or whatever, who it just feels like are, are riding their fucking bloated out of shape, sick bodies to, to the grave. Uh. And they just believe that, look, this is what happens. You, you get older, you get out of shape, 
and you know you feel back pain and you know you you do this and then you get you get sick and you take a bunch of pills to make yourself a little less sick and then eventually uh you die um it it amazes me that and it it's kind of almost like sad that like people live like that just because there's a, a clear correlation between that and mental well-being and and mental health and a lot of it is that these people I see on the uh, on the bus they're um, you know they they look like they don't take care of themselves uh, physically um, they're fucking hunched over and they're playing a game on their phone so they're just like they're creating these little like instantly pleasurable feedback loops that provide nothing of substance to bring you lasting joy, but they'll spike your endorphins just enough to make you not feel the low hum of depression that exists in your, your day-to-day life. And it's like, um, you know, if you, if you feel like, if you see it going on once, you'll start to see it going on everywhere. It's like one of the, I don't know if you've ever heard the, phrase like once you understand it you see it fucking everywhere they use it to michael malice uses it to apply to what he calls the uh the cathedral of mainstream liberal thought but you can you can use it for anything fucking physical shape mental health fucking financial stupidity but um yeah i see it going on and i'm just like wow imagine being an imagine having the the sentience human sentience to know like you're an animal that has a limited time on this planet and you have these options of all these things you could do. You could climb a mountain, read a book, fucking learn an instrument, do all of this fucking, you know, find a, go on an adult friend finder, find a casual sex partner and get a dildo jammed up your ass, just anything <laughs> to heighten the human experience. And what you choose to do is bombard your body with just toxins and shit food, and a, it's a lack of physical activity, uh, no mental stimulus, anything. Um, and you're just so... ro- basically riding. You are a brain locked in a fucking functioning carcass from, you know, whenever, about the age of, you know, 25, when your fucking hormones start to dip towards the, uh, the death side uh, until, you know, until we, you know, we keep you artificially alive until you're... Uh, until your late 80s because we have the medical technology to do so it's really shitty and it's it's uh, very sad yeah well clearly look i'd say lockdown's been really good for you dude i've been fucking <laughs> i have been writing i have been writing my fucking balls off i launched uh, i launched a new website that i'm blogging out of i've gotten back to podcasting regularly um, the gyms have been closed, it's been infuriating, yeah. but I've been work, I've been working out like a fucking animal. Um, yeah, I can't, honestly, I miss because my job is obvious is, is a shitload of fun producing the morning show. We have comedians coming in, we got celebrities and porn stars and everything. So I'm probably one of the few people who actually enjoys being at work on a normal day. Um, so that's the, the real killer for me has been like, I love coming out of the, uh, coming out of the studio at like 11 a.m. and walking out into the lobby. They got the fucking, we have the big glass thing there where like, you know, you'll have like Mark Cuban and Samuel L. Jackson will be doing an interview and you're, you know, you, you bump into fucking uh, Nikki Glaser coming off the, uh, the elevator. And there's like, there's, you know, whichever fucking boy band is hanging out in the lobby, taking pictures with fans. 
and you got like uh, you know Maria Menounos is walking down the hall. The series is a fun fucking place to be on a weekday. You know, you could do a lot worse than seeing Maria Menounos walking down the hallway. By the way, you really can. Uh, you really can. Um, <laughs> she's great. Uh, she's awesome. She's been on. She's been on our show a couple times. Um, but yeah, it's a fun place to be. So for me, the biggest hit yeah. has just been has been not getting to to do that. That was like the best Monday through Thursday, seven to uh, seven to eleven were like the best uh, best part of my week. But the um, having the extra time outside of work, like I've been getting you know extra beach time in. Um, and just uh, kind of, it's given me a chance, like to you know, step back, take perspective in life, figure out where you, you know, what you want to do next. Um, so that's been nice. I, yeah, I feel almost guilty about how well, uh, how well lockdown has gone for me, knowing you know the way, you know, I have friends in the food service industry and and all that, and you know, people who've lost family members and lost uh, businesses. So you, it's like this weird thing where you're like, hey. I'm doing well, but a lot of people aren't. So you're like, uh, you're very, very conflicted. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a fucked up situation in that respect. There's so many people who can't work, who uh, are potentially afraid to work. Um, you know, all kinds of situations where, you know, you just, if, if you're able to do so, or if you are working or whatever the situation may be, your experience throughout this has been totally divergent from those. And, uh, that's a very weird thing that exists. But just going back to one thing you were pointing out, you know, I think it's really fucked up how <clears throat> everybody's so quick to, like, get into this whole, like, you know, solidarity and um, focus thing when it comes to, like, wearing masks and social distancing. And, you know, everybody's got to do the right thing and be on the same team when it comes to fighting the virus. But yet there's, like, this woke leftist campaign that it's totally cool and empowering and, and great to be a fat slob, and which is so fucked up because for all the reasons that you talked about and specifically actually alluded to, that is completely not the truth. It's a source of misery and potentially disease and potentially in a situation like this, a exacerbating factor for disease. So it's really fucked up when you think about it, how... Um, so much of the, you know, national conversation and whatever whatever dominates that phraseology uh, makes people think a certain kind of way. And, you know, the whole, like, heavy set and weight problem, we're talking about it here when it comes to the whole, like, you know, COVID-19 thing, but it's just generally an issue, and it's kind of crazy how, like, you're not supposed to talk about that. Yet, if somebody doesn't wear a mask or, you know social distancing whatever there's a viral video of somebody being like what the what the fuck are you doing just what the fuck are you doing yeah they all have that sort of high-pitched annoying voice uh, i think the um i think the issue is that woke culture is a culture of victimhood and once you attach personal responsibility you know eat vegetables eat fucking fruits go out walk get vitamin d get fresh air be active. Take care of yourself. When you start uh, telling people to do these things, you start putting the the ball, the, the responsibility is in their court. And when you do that, if you take responsibility for your own shit, you can no longer be a victim. And if you can 
if you can no longer be a you know a victim it kind of pulls the rug out of the entire uh the entire woke culture and now there's such an impetus for it because they're so they're so hell-bent on um and whatever you think of donald trump i mean you can't deny that the woke left is hell-bent on on getting him out of office so anything that posits uh you know coronavirus with personal responsibility they're going to eschew they don't want to hear any about anything about that they want to hear about why it is his fault um which is i mean that and the policing thing which is weird because they're both these hyper local things right i mean diseases spread amongst local populations policing is like the most local thing in the fucking world um i mean there is nothing more localized than police the work of of policing um and it it should be right you want you want the people who are providing security for your community to come from and understand your your community but um if if everything you do is aimed at placing blame on this kind of guy who has just become he's just he's become the the the, the medusa for uh for every uh, attack of the uh, the woke left they're just firing anything and everything they can at him you're not going to you're not going to erode your argument by saying but hey on our end we could use a few minutes on the treadmill like they're just not going to fucking do that yeah no you're absolutely right i mean and there's so much of that um it's almost like a, a drug or a religious thing, the way that they treat that victimhood status. So you're right. There's no way that they're going to, um, you know, allow that to be diminished. But it is. Well, it's funny you should say you I, I, you called it a drug and then talked about the way they embrace their their victimhood status, which I'm sure you've heard the phrase religion is the opiate of the uh, the masses. Karl Marx. Um, this is the the woke left is obviously they are very secular in that they reject organized religion but i think if you look back through human history um we flock to things that we can kind of uh unify around forever that was rooted in spirituality and you know whether you, even if you know even the the pagans they had their their many gods or if you're a monotheist worshiping your one there were unifying principles for groups of people uh, if you reject religion or spirit spirituality you're going to look for that elsewhere um and people find it in different things right you can be a complete nerd and get obsessed with math and all of a sudden, mathematics becomes the temple that you worship at, and you and your fellow math nerds get into that. Well, these people have chosen their unifying principle to be this sort of, uh, you know, cho- uh, church of secular wokeness, um, and that's what they uh, they need to get their their fix of it every uh, every day. It's the it's it's people looking for something to to unify them, but they for whatever reason they reject religion in the sort of sense that we've accepted it for the thousands of years and instead their religion becomes uh woke uh liberalism yeah that's a really good point i think there's a lot of truth to that and i think that also politics has like become so mainstream now and everybody's so into their politics 
that that probably becomes something too, like the ability to and the way that, for example, COVID-19 has been made political is another thing that people can sort of rally behind and say, like, you know, oh, I'm on this side of that. You're on that side. Politics have become um, ga- essentially um, Game of Thrones. Politics have become fucking just a constant stream of Sunday night HBO entertainment. And you want to see your favorite character survive and win and you have your your clan that you love and you got your you got whoever you think is your your hot chick or your hero dude or whatever and it changes by the week so you're either like yeah i got to i get a fucking rod for Kaylee McEnany so anything she says i'm down with or you fuck it you love AOC or mayor Pete or you know Don Jr or whoever the fuck and you just you rally around your guy, and because it's the way it's presented to you um, in hot takes and sound bites and two minute clips, it's I mean people really um, they they you know it's it's become a, a source of uh, of entertainment, right? Your your blood boils or you laugh or you 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 get whatever emotional rush that it is um, that you would normally get elsewhere, but this. Uh, our sort of our political system has been commodified as a uh, a form of like uh, cult like uh, entertainment. You know that is such a great fucking comparison because <clears throat> it helps me kind of understand the way in which I've pulled away and become just like increasingly less interested, despite be- being probably like more outraged and probably actually having more things that I otherwise would be interested in. I'm so just not into politics as much as I used to be because it's so fucking mainstream, just like game of Thrones. When game of Thrones was starting, I fucking loved it. It was like a little thing. Nobody really was paying attention to this vast world. They were taking the episodes slow. It was, it was, yeah, I I started watching the second week of the uh, first season. Yeah. So it was just like a different show on TV. It was like a thing that was kind of more like an adult, uh, Lord of the Rings or something like that. And I was into it. I liked it a lot. And, you know, obviously it became more and more popular because of the good things that they were doing and because it developed more of a, you know, whatever. And, the way that it became so, so mainstream and so, so lowest common denominator and kind of appealing to everything that you're talking about took away from what made it kind of like interesting and, and, and a nerdy interest for me. Now, so I feel like I, I want to say this about Game of Thrones just to very briefly deviate. I don't think that the show really went down a bad route. I think what happened is that it became over dissected and there were too many stupid fucking hot takes about about it that eventually it just became annoying to hear people talk about it. Yeah. Like, if you would just watch that show from start to finish without all of the fanfare that surrounded it, then even the final seasons, you would be like, oh, this is fucking great. You got castles collapsing on people. Which, for She's the record... Cunt. She's blowing yeah. everybody up. And, and for the record... Shit. I had no problem. Like, I'm not one of those people that hated the last season. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. my, my cousin, for example, is. He's like, I hated it. You know, like, it wasn't good for me, whatever. It's become a hip bullshit take to dislike the last season. Right. Right. 
So anyway, for me, it's a perfect analogy because it just kind of the way it became so and the way the politics is so always in your face, constantly a thing, not something you in any way have to seek out or have compartmentalized. It would almost be like if all I ever heard about all the time was the Mets and the Giants. I'd probably be like, you know what? After a while, I'm kind of fucking done with the Mets and the Giants right now. And by the way, that doesn't necessarily take a lot anyway for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, when you you regularly finish <laughs> far below 500, that's, uh, that's actually pretty understandable. I said the other day, I've been saying this. This is like my go-to line for the Giants, by the way. I said, all I fucking want is for that, when that graphic comes up, that, play, that mid-season playoff graphic, for the Giants to be listed in in the in the in hunt. the hunt, all I fucking want is in the hunt. Do you know how much I would give for in the hunt these days? You know, it's it's funny. You're uh, you're like one of the only pessimistic Giants fans I'm running into. Every Giants fan I've ever dealt with has, I mean, they almost have like a Yankees fanness about them, where they're predicting a Super Bowl at the start of every season. And and then, you know, three games in they're you know, one and two or oh and three and they've stopped watching. And then, you know, maybe they make like a midseason run where they win two out of three. And then all of a sudden I'm hearing fucking scenarios where, well, they get in on the wild card and, you know, you never know because, you know, San Francisco could have. Yeah, they got a great defense, but they could you know, there's a chance, and then it's all of a sudden, it's like, well, okay, I mean, and look, then, like, I have that'll be say- going on, and the Cowboys will be down uh, three at the start of the, the Thanksgiving game, and I'll hear the Giants fans with me talk about, like, yeah, just wait for December, it, this is what, how it's going to go, and it's just like, all right, get, shut the fuck up. Well, I mean, uh, look. Do you, are you, um because uh, the Giants fans that I, I tend to associate with are very, uh, very confident with... Uh, with Jones and uh, and Saquon going into this year, all I'm or all I'm hearing is that that Danny Dimes is going to tear up the league. I haven't people haven't stopped saying that to me. Um, I mean, look. I first of all, I think that the important thing to to point out is just that as a Mets fan, I have a special appreciation for the Giants because of the ownership stability, because of the way that they've just kind of like consistently had a dedication to winning a insistence on having like the best facilities, the best medicine stuff, all that kind of shit. I know the difference. So I kind of get where that fan is coming from, especially if they're also a Yankee fan, but I know both sides of the coin and they've also had a lot of struggles recently. Now I actually probably share in a lot of their optimism and excitement about the offense, the defense, that's a different story. I mean, their their secondary is fucking ravaged because they have that one fucking moron who they took <laughs> in the first round and decided to like stick people up over like a Madden game or some fucking weird shit. I don't even know what the fucking story is there. It makes no sense. The charges didn't even get brought against Quentin Dunbar, but they did against uh, Baker, DeAndre Baker. And um, the other guy, Sam Beal, he opted out because of COVID-19. So they've got the rookie, or not rookie, the free agent signee that they brought in, Bradbury, who's like a three- or four-year player. He's supposedly pretty good. But, I mean, other than that, I don't know who the fuck they're playing at cornerback. And they were supposedly going to sign Ross Cockrell, and then he that fell through for whatever reason. Logan Ryan's out there, but he wants to be a safety apparently. So I really don't know what to expect from their defense. So, no, I, th- I think Jones is going to be good, and I, and I obviously Saquon is. I mean, you don't have to – that's not an if. He is. Um, yeah, yeah. 
But I mean, um, their, their offense. How do you? Uh, are they? Uh, are they all right? Like uh, up front on on offense? Because uh, it's a question. I mean, look, they have a look that 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 top five pick at left tackle is going to be starting for them probably. That kid out of Georgia, Andrew Th- yeah. Andrew Thomas. Um, they have uh, the rookie or second third year player now, Well Hernandez at, at one of the guards, Zeitler at the other guard. Um, they'll, I think they'll be okay at offensive line, but I mean, it's certainly not going to be like a strength. I, I think if anything, it shouldn't be total ass, which it kind of started to not be total ass last year. It was complete ass two years ago, and they still have struggled when it comes to like running the ball for sure. I mean, they have. Well, that's really given what a I was. Burst. That's what I was going to get to because I was going to say, um, as uh, Jones and uh, Barkley are both, they're both talented guys, but they are also. I've noticed with Barkley, if if you get, uh, I mean, and this is true with any any running back, but I've I've noticed to be particularly true with him that he can really be, you can nullify him if you get bodies on him quickly. He's very like that is how you stop Saquon Barkley by getting two three bodies on him as soon as the ball is in his hand. Yeah, well, they, I think I've seen, there have been situations where you know he goes a, a half with five rushing yards and then you're like, Oh, but he ran for, uh, you know, he ran for 83 today. What happens? Well, he broke one for, for 60, but the, you know, the other 15 carries, he was getting fucking, he was getting bottled up. And then, you know, Jones kind of the same thing. Um, you know, he, uh, you know, he doesn't hold on to the ball wonderfully. And he, uh, I feel like you can, you can force him into, uh, some bad throws. So, I mean, it, did you worry that like, you're like you have a great team for seven on seven, and then as soon as uh, as soon as a you know a front seven gets mixed in, it's kind of like oh shit. Well, there's two things about that. I think that there's been a lot of rookie quarterbacks who have had trouble with uh, fumbles, the, especially the kind of fumbles that he had, because it was basically just like when he held on to the ball too long and he got fucking rocked in the pocket. So that's the Which kind that, of. Shit. I mean, that's an offensive line question there too isn't it well it is to an extent but he held the ball for like it was if for example you know those plays you've watched football long enough you know when a quarterback held the ball too long when he should have yeah. gotten rid of it when he should have thrown it away um thrown it off to a running back whatever it may be he didn't do that often enough he was trying to make too many plays downfield you could also say that as a rookie i'd rather somebody who's willing to take those shots downfield as opposed to somebody who's always looking to check down because that doesn't necessarily tend to change most of the time if you're a check down artist you tend to be a check down artist from that point forward um you know that being said i think a lot of the time their offense especially when it came to pat Shermer and running the ball just fucking sucked the last couple of years that's why and you know a lot about football um you make the plays at the line of scrimmage because of how those run fits exist either you have the, the thing blocked up or you don't and that's what I think you're right about when it comes to a lot of the time they had bodies on Saquon before he even hit the line of scrimmage. That's not going to work for any running back. So um, I think they're going to have a different exi- uh, scheme this year because they have Garrett as the offensive coordinator. You know the kind of power running that he likes to run. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm quite familiar with Jason Garrett, yes. Um, I, 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 He's I not love, their head coach. Uh, He's not their head coach. Yeah, I look. I, I I thought he was very well suited to being a uh, a head coach. Um, play calling, maybe uh, maybe not so much. Uh, I like I like Jason Garrett. I was you know sorry to see the way his uh, his years in Dallas worked out. I think if Romo had been 
been healthy uh, a right. couple times, he, he would have had a, a legitimate shot at a uh, a ring. But yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, I think, to Ro- see I think how, Romo's uh, the best one. I, I the one that always made me nervous was Romo. Romo was always the quarterback that I said he's going to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys. T- Tony Romo, you give me Tony Romo with. 60 seconds on the clock and the ball at the uh, the 20 and I have like I could watch I could watch fourth quarter situations where they were down down like five or six and they would get they would get the ball with you know less than less than two and have uh, have to cover some field and it would it was the it's the weirdest shit like I would feel totally calm watching Tony Romo take snaps um, and I mean Dak I think Dak too for uh, for what it's worth, but there was something about uh, there was something about Tony, especially in his later years, where he was just he was just efforting things, and you were like, this is a guy who there is he has no off the field, he's just a fucking football nerd, like he's just an autist when it comes to to offensive football. I've always loved the term autist, by the way. It is a lot of people. If you look at, I think a lot of people who are really good at what they do, they're on some kind of spectrum. Yeah, they're autists to an ex- to a certain extent. It, t- it takes it to put in the uh, the ten thousand hours, uh, as they say. Um. So I was at this wedding, in um. Can we? Uh, can you give me a brief pause while we transition topics? I have some chicken roasting. I just want to make sure it's not getting torched. Yeah. Grab grab your chicken. I'll continue to set. I'll reset the stage on what's going on with uh, with this story here. Um, I went to a wedding out in Cincinnati, myself and my boyfriend Chris, and we flew out there as we already discussed here on the podcast. And the flight was fine; everything like that was chill. I actually liked Cincinnati a lot, Cincinnati, and I also went to Covington, Kentucky. And a cool place, nice river, American River City. And the wedding was, you know, fine. We had uh, our our masks on, our, uh, you know, social distancing. They had every other aisle was taped off. So you couldn't go into every other aisle or pew, I should say, in the church. And uh, I don't know, the couple was pissed about something. What was the couple pissed about? Oh, they thought the uh, priest kind of mailed it in. They weren't too happy with the priest. And I guess I could see where they were coming from. But, I mean, it was hot. And the guy definitely had a mass coming up at, like, 7 o'clock. The wedding was at 6.15 or whatever the fuck it was. And this guy had a mass coming up at 7. So, you know, he was in uh, he was in a rush. He was trying to move. And I guess they weren't happy with the, with the way he went. And, and it was very, I mean, you know, love is precious, love is kind. You know, he, he mailed it in. He mailed it in. He did. But what are you going to do? You have the mask coming up. So everybody's wearing their masks at the church. Or not everybody. A lot of people were. I have to say, Ohio was probably a, a lot more chill than it is around here when it comes to, like, the masks. You, know, you have to wear it when you go into the store. CVS, I went into there. You have to wear it when you go to the restaurant, whatever, unless it's outdoor dining. Um, but they did have indoor dining. We went to a steakhouse there. So that's the first time or the only time I've gone to indoor dining in the last many months. 
And we All right, to... I'm, uh, I'm back in business here. I had to take uh, some chicken thighs out of the oven. Nice. How are those chicken thighs looking? They're good. I do I, I do them very uh, very simply. I just throw them on a uh, on a sh I do the boneless skinless. I put them on a sheet pan um, with a little bit of olive oil and uh, I use the uh, what is it? is it fucking uh, McCormick? One of those just regular uh, like uh, just straight up fucking uh, you know chicken seasonings that you get at shop right. And they come nice. out great. Good stuff. Um, I I made something earlier tonight that I feel your Montone heritage would appreciate. So I've been growing. What'd you, what'd you get down on? So I've been growing eggplants in my garden. A so, nice mullignon. So <laughs> I sliced. So I don't know I, if you're allowed to say that anymore. I'm not sure because I mean you're absolutely right. I mean if we literally translated, we're we're good. We're good. Um, <laughs> so I sliced it up. I, uh, I I dipped it in some egg, I put it in some breadcrumb, and I fried up some little eggplant croquettes as a little appetizer. Nice, uh, oh, that's nice. I, I like fried eggplant is very good. Yeah, yeah, nice little. I mean, I wanted what I really wanted to do with it, but I just didn't have the time per se, was to make some meatballs where you use half the stuff you use ground beef, and then the other half you use like mashed up eggplant, basically. And it's like a oh, healthier. Nice. That sounds good. Yeah, and you can't really taste it anyway. But it's like a healthier meatball. Yeah, and I'm not. Uh, I'm not an eggplant parm guy. I am. I, think... I am an eggplant parm guy. I'm a See, big time my, eggplant my feeling parm guy. is that both chicken and veal parm are considerably better, and should be eaten instead. Um, I just. I don't. Think I don't really. I don't really eggplant. enjoy. I don't really like veal. I don't really like the idea of veal. I'm not like a. I'm not like a in the arms of the angel, Sarah McLaughlin, ASPCCA. Don't don't get me wrong, in the arms of the angel, but I'm not necessarily down with veal. You know what I mean? Hey, you know what? I I don't need to. I don't need to hear the fucking story of what I'm eating. I realize. I realize it. What are you gonna do? It's fucking delicious. All right. <laughs> so, um, I went to this wedding in Cincinnati, right? And the wedding was fine. Everything with the wedding, you know, was actually in Kentucky. And then the uh, reception was at this old monastery up on this hill in Cincinnati. Nice place. Is, is Cincinnati near Kentucky? It is. It's right across the river. What oh, I never shit. knew, what I never knew about Cincinnati is that that's its own tri-state area because Kentucky's right there. So is Indiana. Because it's Southwest Ohio. Oh, how about that? Yeah. So it actually is referred to as they they talk about like the tri-state area. You know what I mean? But they're talking about Indiana, Kentucky, and actually the airport is in Kentucky. There, they're like do, you know. Uh, do you watch when you go to uh, a new area? Do you love watching the local news? I do, as a matter of fact. Yes, I do. I love that. Yeah, I totally do that, especially like when I stay in a hotel because I'm just yeah. there and I'm like, whatever, I want to know what's going yeah, on in their perspective. TV, well. Yeah, exactly. Um, matter of fact, the last few places I've gone to, I've done just that. Cincinnati, Chicago. Um, where was the other place that I was watching local news? San Francisco. So, yeah, for sure. Even if I didn't realize it, I like doing that. Um, so we were at this this reception after the fact. And, you know, not that many people came. You know, again, this was July 4th. Everything's still kind of going on and obviously was then with. Who, I would like to know who the disrespectful asshole it is that threw a fucking July 4th wedding. 
Well, it was July, because July 4th would have been uh, Saturday, right? That weekend, off limits. So it was July, it was July, so it was Thursday, it was July 2nd, off limits? Memorial Day weekend, July 4th weekend, and Labor Day weekend are fucking off limits for making anyone go to anything. So originally they were supposed to get married in April. But because yeah. everything was so, you know, crazy then, they moved it to, to July. And they moved it to July 2nd. Thoughts? Uh, July 10th would have been more appropriate. <laughs> anything, literally anything. You can't do it. It's just... I don't, this must not, it must not be a thing around the rest of the country. Like it must be just a New York and New Jersey thing that those three summer weekends are like sacred fucking cows. Right. Um, I, th I guess other people from elsewhere just treat them as, uh, as three regular three day weekends. But I yeah, don't know. I mean, look, I, the only thing I can say is that this was a unique circumstance with the, with the fact that they were supposed to get married in April and then they changed it. And, but that's not cutting any ice with you. I can tell. No, no, not no. I, I'm I'm unmoved. Uh, no, yeah, I don't. And again, like I really, th it just might be one of those. Uh, you know, when you go to a different country and uh, you wave at somebody, and it turns out that you just told them to go fuck their mother. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that's one of those things where people outside of the uh, the New York area just don't understand how important those uh, those days are. Like, they also, like, I know, like, shit, like, you know, spending an entire summer going to, like, the shore every fucking weekend. Like, I know that blows people's minds from, you know, with few exceptions, other places. Like, I know there's, like, a big lake culture in, like, Michigan and shit. Right, right. But, um, yeah, I guess elsewhere, um, people don't, like, their summer is, it's time for... All sorts of different adventures, and I'm like, "Fuck you! I want some Zeppeli on the boardwalk and nothing else." Nice. Yeah, you're a big Ze you're you like the Zeppeli. You, you, I'm, a, I'm an Italian boy, but the, not the funnel Jersey, cake. The Jersey Shore is my playground, but not funnel cake. Uh, fried dough of any kind. Is okay. Delicious. All right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the thing I wanted to say about this wedding is that this guy was sitting at our table, who I'm pretty sure was hard of hearing in some way. He had some sort of, you know, uh, device, I believe, in, 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 uh, behind his ear that was assisting him in hearing some way. And I can only assume that this was the reason. He was speaking very, very softly uh, at a volume that I struggled was to he hear. he carrying a big stick? Yeah, he was speaking softly and carrying a big stick. That would have actually made sense because at least it w I would have said to myself at the end of the night, all right, you know what? This was all just a big metaphor for the rest of my life. But no, he <laughs> he was um, struggling uh, or I was struggling to understand what, what he was saying for basically the entire night. And he was a nice enough guy when he finally went outside and, and my you know boyfriend was, was hitting his jewel. So he wanted to go outside to do that. And uh, this guy that was at our table smoked cigarettes, so he was going outside to have a cigarette. And at that point, I could actually hear what he was saying, and we had a nice conversation outside. But I don't know if it was just, like, the din of the room or, like, the music or whatever it may be. He didn't necessarily know, I guess, at what volume he should be speaking. And I said, like, probably, I'm going to guess about five times, maybe more, 
that I'm actually I'm having trouble having some trouble hearing you having some trouble can't hear you know like trying to indicate to him that I needed him to speak up but it just wasn't going to happen so for the rest of the night I basically did the best I could reading his body language reading keywords that I might pick up at, at some point and gave one of those yeah 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 <laughs> yeah you're right absolutely absolutely you know like you know, i if you do that you wind up wearing one of these on uh on a morning talk show <laughs> of course it's wearing <laughs> my montones holding up the pirate uh the pirate shirt from uh seinfeld and uh he doesn't want to be a pirate and you're gonna uh, be the first pirate <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 definitely it was a Seinfeld thing, but it was exhausting because he was a nice guy. And I told him a number of times that I couldn't hear him and it just wasn't getting through or it didn't sound to him like that was a factor. So it wasn't going to change. And the best I could do was just, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, Ru Rutgers. Yeah. No, they need to recruit better. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, he was all into like Ohio State football and stuff. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, that's not. You can't have a good conversation. A Rutgers fan and an Ohio State fan can't have a good college football conversation. No, no, it wasn't much of a conversation. Not a lot of commonality there. I was like, well, you know, we're hoping Shiano maybe can turn yeah, things that's, around. That's about it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping. I remember that game they won, the one big game they yeah, ever won uh, against Louisville. 2007 a was a hell of a year. <laughs> So, all right, uh, I, I guess we should, you know, close up shop here for the evening. It's been fun. It's been nice to re reunite on uh, Flipping Out Radio. But I have to ask you this. Um, a friend of mine, I had a nice little get-together on Saturday where uh, three friends came over. We had we drank some beers, you know, enjoyed some, some greenery. They're college friends. So one lives in Philadelphia, one lives in Manhattan, and uh, the third lives in Delaware. Now, Delaware was just added to the quarantine list for New Jersey. We're just adding everybody. So does that mean that I have to retroactively, do I have to worry about Saturday? Is there like a degree of separation here? No, because this is all so stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> exercise whatever regular caution you would Fucking, I mean, honestly, I would have told you we should do this in person if it wasn't so easy for me to just sit my ass down in this chair. No, I, well, look, I told you, I already texted with you that I, a while ago when I brought up doing an episode that we could do it in person, right? You know I'm not, like, opposed to doing that. Yeah, I mean, this is just so wildly convenient. Um, I'm flying again on Friday. I'm going out to Colorado to hang out with my cousin. So yeah, we should do uh, September or October before it gets too cold to use the garage. We should do a. Uh, I'm here. I'm out here right now. I'm out here right yeah. now. So, yeah, yeah I'm down. What we got about? It's mid-August, so we got about. I mean, November's not even. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, October. No, in October. Uh, yeah, exactly. Not at all. So I mean, we should definitely do another. We should definitely do one out here. Do a few out here. And, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's not going to be any. Apparently, there's not going to be any college football on, so Saturdays will be wide open if the NFL doesn't yeah. reschedule. Isn't that crazy? Do you think? Do you think there's going to be NFL? Yeah, I think the the NFL will play. I hope so. I think it'll be you know it'll be a little weird like Major League Baseball where you'll have like all of a sudden it'll be like some guy you know just out of nowhere on game day just decided uh, 
he didn't want to fucking play. Like there'll be there'll be it'll be idiosyncratic, but I think we'll. Uh, I don't have an NFL season. Um, but how is college. it not going to? How is it not going to break out though? How is it not going to break out on NFL teams? I, I mean, who the fuck? The same way it's not breaking out on uh, MLB teams as bad as you know. What do you got a couple? F- unless someone goes out and gambles or gets Taco Bell or whatever the fuck people are in uproar <laughs> over. No, I mean, I think the the answer is, um, you know, those guys for you know for what it's worth, you, you know, aside from maybe a handful of you know, shitty offensive linemen. I mean, those guys have great lung capacity. Um, they're, I mean, they're probably the the most in shape people on the planet. They have access to the best medical care. That, um, no, I agree. Can- I mean, that's that's the practical and, and way that it should be looked at. But I mean, that's just not the way the whole situation is being treated right now. You know? And- yeah. I mean, I got Jerry Jones talking about wanting to have people in the fucking stands. For, for games, so my I, the way I'm looking at, at these guys is those guys are hell fucking – they're so hell-bent on playing that they're now trying to figure out how they can do it in front of an, an audience. Um, and only one game a week, too, per, for each team. So it's a little less than, uh, yeah. than like with Major League Baseball where they got to play – That's true. got to play multiple times. No, that's true. I think, it's, I think right now the thing with, uh, with sports is – we shouldn't expect sports to have the kind of normal season that we're used to, but we should just be glad that there is some sort of high-level physical competition on TV that we can watch, and whatever adaptations need to be made for the, the current circumstances, we'll just you know accept them with an open mind and uh, watch the game because it's better than uh, watching a, a fucking death counter on uh, a cable news network. That's very true. That's very true. All right, look, that's been flipping out radio. I'm before, James. Oh, before we uh, close, I do want to ask you a question because yeah. we're uh, we'll probably only have uh, two more of these before uh, the big day. Um, do you think uh, uh, if you had to predict right now, uh, do you think uh, Don wins another term, or do you think uh, Biden uh, Biden and Kamala beat him? I think Trump wins. Do you, I'm. Uh, I'd love to hear the reasoning just because I no longer know who to believe. Uh, the You know, my news feed is kind of a 50-50 split of psychos on both sides. And I, you know, I've never seen the, the lib side more confident. Um, and everything, you know, every article I read, it's so fucking, uh, you know, worries about, you know, the day he's going to lose, he's fucking positioning himself for if he loses and everyone is telling me that he can't possibly after they 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 made kamala the uh the vp uh numb uh, people are on twitter they're like oh pence can never debate kamala and i'm thinking to myself i remember seeing her on the the debate stage against biden and company and all she did was just go lose her mind and get unhinged and ballistic and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, here's Pence. He's like this measured guy. Uh, she's going to act like a nut job, but without a, an audience in front of her to give the applause line. And then he's just going to say something, you know, measured and reasoned. And even if I don't agree with it, he will look like the adult in the room. Uh, Trump looks like, uh, you know, he, if they debate three times, I don't know what they're going to hop Biden up on. But even if you agree with Trump's policies or not, I feel like his ability to just 
dish zinger after zinger at a, a fucking corpse. Uh, but then I see the other side. It's just like, nope, that nah, we're going to win. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know what to fucking believe anymore. Well, I mean, I think that the the fact of the matter is it's still a electoral college election. So even if people are like super mad and even more mad than they were at Trump in Los Angeles and New York and all these kind of all that kind of shit, it doesn't mean that like people from 45 to 65 in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Nevada and uh, Ohio don't feel a certain type of way about the fact that, you know, grown up children are fucking tearing cities apart right now. And that, you know, shit is just going absolutely nuts with the only people that are in a position to be like, this isn't right, saying, well, this is Trump's fault and all this kind of shit. And I think that uh, I just don't think there's enough to be said for historically when the person trying to win is the like I you really hate that other person. So you're going to vote for this person. That's a hard way to win. You know, Romney kind of learned that or the Republican Party did when they ran Romney against Obama the second after the first time. And they were like, oh, people don't necessarily love some of the stuff that's going on with Obama. They already kind of did the whole like electing a black person for the first time thing. So he's a little bit vulnerable here as an incumbent, blah, blah, blah. And people were like, yeah, but Romney kind of fucking sucks. Nobody likes Romney. So then they lost, Um, you know, with uh, what's it called? Um with biden i think that's what they're banking on is that it's like well he's the anti-trump but you know that's not really enough per se to like get people really going now whatever the fuck they're trying to do with this mail-in voting shit i have no idea and it seems fishy as fuck to me so i'm not gonna put anything past uh, them yeah people are getting like in an uproar saying that uh you know trump is gonna try to steal the election i I don't do they realize that elections are conducted at the uh, county and state level? Honestly, there's probably a lot of people that don't realize that. And they certainly didn't watch the press conference where Murphy explained that all the ballots are going to be coming from the county office and getting mailed to people and so on and so yeah. forth. Um, but I think the way that the, the gaslight that they're trying to pull now, the game they're trying to work on people is where the post office is in no way fucking ha- equipped to handle what it would be to have this mostly mail-in election because the post office has been fucking broke for probably our entire lifetime. Um, and so they're going to blame Trump and be like, well, he's not giving enough money to the post office when they could probably, uh, you know, try to figure out a way to finagle some of that funding in a coronavirus relief package that they would like to see give them a lot of money because all these fucking states are broke like Illinois and New York and California yeah, that's, and shit like that's that. That's funny. The uh, all of the people who were uh, posting uh ACAB on Twitter like 2 months ago are now uh posting protect the USPS on uh on Twitter, which yeah. it's very funny. And even though they're all fucking people who love their Amazon Prime, um uh, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just amazing. Well, you know what? I would like to say that that disgusts me, but the truth is it pales, it pales in my disgust for the extent to which you were fat shaming earlier about your time in public transportation, <laughs> talking about the way you feel about people in public transportation. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, no, it's, it's sad. I don't even mean to, uh, 
to shame them because if I see a fat guy at the gym or something like that, no, I fucking exactly, cheer. exactly. It's not even uh, about that. It's it's just it's the realistic. It, it's and you know what? You made the good point. I, I'm actually gonna just before you could say what you want to say, but you made the point that it's the waves of people that you see kind of encompassing that type it's not like it's just one person where you're like this poor fucking guy who knows what happened here you know what i mean he broke his ankle and never came back you know what i mean or something like that um it's the waves of people that seem to kind of exist around you that are kind of living in that fashion yeah it's um people have and i'm sure this was always a a part of being a human being they have chased momentary pleasures be they through food or technology or whatever at the expense of their long-term well-being but i think the that our our technology and and uh the junk that we pump into our bodies and and everything else has gotten so much more extreme that the uh the costs of of living like that and the ability to do serious damage to your body in a relatively short period of time has has increased considerably uh just in like the last 20 years or so yeah yeah no i think you're absolutely right and it's uh it, it, it's very troubling it's very troubling indeed yeah all right is. well look good shit uh good to catch up with you and uh yeah let's let's do the next one in person here in the garage a nice, absolutely a nice yeah we person got uh, flipping out right i here. think uh I would say September, October, and possibly early November, we could probably feasibly uh, do some uh, some garage shows. Sounds good. The most American podcast ever created. Oh, here's your blessing. Oh, Will you uh, enjoy your side? You still got some uh, shore weekends left? Yeah, yeah. I got uh, my uncle's having a pool party this weekend, so I'm uh, staying up north. And then uh, next weekend, we're going to do uh, a little boardwalk day trip down to Point Pleasant or something. And then Labor Day, back on LBI for the weekend. And I think the following weekend after that, the first weekend of uh, of September, we're heading uh, heading down there as well. So we're yeah, squeezing the last few drops of fun out of the summer before uh, before winter shows up and we're fucking locked in our houses again for uh, seven know. months. I know. Trust me, don't I know it? Well, good. Enjoy yourself, and uh, we'll talk at some point to figure out the garage. My man. All right, dude. This has been a flipping out radio production. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you.